listener note, this episode originally aired in 2018. It's June 27, 1977. It's a banner day for Southwest Airlines. It's trading on the New York Stock Exchange for the first time. It's listed under the symbol LUV, a nod to its home airport code for Dallas's Love Field. Spirits are high and rising. Why shouldn't they be? The airline is debt-free and profitable. It's got nine planes cruising the skies of Texas. And as of this day, five million passengers have boarded Southwest. Southwest still only operates inside Texas, where it doesn't have to worry about federal regulations that govern other airlines flying between states. But now, Washington is looking to deregulate the industry, and the other airlines are sensing a downdraft. Without regulation that protects big carriers' high fares, upstarts like Southwest could be a threat. Still, Southwest Airlines CEO Lamar Muse isn't popping champagne. Instead, veins are popping out on his forehead. He's squabbling with Rollin King, Southwest's founder, board member, and chief pilot. They fight over the growth and direction of the company, and it intensifies for a year. Finally, on March 24, 1978, it boils over. Southwest's corporate attorney, Herb Kelleher, gets a call from King. Herb, Lamar is a freaking nightmare. He wants to double Southwest's fleet to 14 planes. That's just insane. And he wants to start a subsidiary in Chicago that he wants to call Midway Southwest. And he wants his son, Mike, his son, to run it. This will overstretch us and jeopardize Southwest. <sighs> Herb, you've got to stop him. Rollin, uh, Lamar's looking to do some aggressive things, I know. Kelleher's secretary walks into Kelleher's office. But, hey, Herb, hang on a second. Kelleher puts his hand over the phone as he waits to learn why the secretary is interrupting him. Lamar Muse is on the other line. Kelleher smacks his forehead. He's been the go-between in nearly all of the squabbles between King and Muse for 18 months now. And Kelleher is reaching his limit. Look, Rollin, we'll take care of this at the next board meeting, okay? Sorry, I'm going to have to call you back. After trying to talk both Muse and King off the ledge, Kelleher is exhausted. He sits at his desk for a moment, his shoulders hunched, and his eyes closed. He gets up and walks to his secretary's desk. I can't be the referee in a non-stop sparring match anymore. I love this airline, but Rollin and Lamar are going to destroy it from within. And I can't stop them. I give up. Kelleher worked like a dog with these two men to get Southwest aloft, but it just feels like too much now. He heaves a deep sigh and looks sadly to his secretary. Let's draft a letter to the board. That afternoon, each member of the board receives a telegram from Kelleher informing them that he is resigning. He is ready to move on. Kelleher heads to the airport to catch a flight to Houston to work on a case for another client. As he's boarding, he's unaware that Lamar Muse has drafted his own letter to the board that same afternoon. It reads, I herewith offer my resignation 
as an employee of Southwest Airlines. Just when the sky appears to be the limit for Southwest, two of the three men most responsible for its success have quit. And it's not like Southwest can continue to ascend on autopilot. Someone has to take over the controls. But who? Enjoy a powerful business upgrade with Dell Technologies' Black Friday in July event. Get amazing savings with up to 50% off high-performance computers and tech built for business. And be able to take your office with you with Windows 10 Pro. Plus, get great offers on Dell servers, monitors, docks, and more, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Call 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. And speak with a Dell Technologies advisor today. Louisiana has unmistakably unique culture, world-class cuisine, and the nation's top-ranked workforce development program. This incredible state's business environment is powerful, rich, and diverse. It's the gateway to 38 states and the world with a port system delivering the most domestic cargo in the U.S. It's also where NASA and higher ed partners build rockets that will transport the first women to the moon. Discover Louisiana's investment resources at OpportunityLouisiana.com to learn how your company can gain a competitive advantage in Louisiana. From Wondery, I'm David Brown, and this is Business Wars. You're listening to the fourth installment in our Southwest Airlines versus American Airlines series, The Darling of Deregulation. In our last episode, American Airlines bested its rivals by rolling out the first industry-wide computerized reservation system and terminal, a system other carriers will have to pay American to join. Southwest Airlines won a huge victory, too. A legal one. A federal grand jury indicted its two chief rivals on charges of conspiring to put Southwest out of business. Southwest should be gliding, but the infighting is creating a drag on the airline. Things are moving so quickly that the board doesn't even realize both Lamar Muse and Herb Kelleher have resigned. They get Kelleher's telegram first, and their first reaction is to send a letter to Muse instructing him not to accept Kelleher's resignation until they've had a chance to talk to him. Muse is confused. (laughs) What about my resignation, he thinks. His notice was actually a thinly veiled ultimatum. Either you fire Rollin, or I'll walk. When Muse hears of Kelleher's resignation, he interprets it as a ploy. He thinks that Kelleher must be supporting his effort to force the board to cut Rollin King loose. The board calls for a special meeting at Rollin King's office at Love Field. It's a small room with a lot of people in it, including Muse. They get down to business. No chit-chat. First up, John Murkison, a part owner of the Super Bowl champion Dallas Cowboys and one of Southwest's first investors. The first thing we need to do is to accept Lamar's resignation. Muse is shocked. He's thinking, wait, what? The board is letting me go instead of King? 
fury and hurt overwhelm Muse, he suddenly realizes that King has swayed the board members to his point of view, that Muse is leading Southwest in the wrong direction. Muse gets up suddenly. Oh yeah? Well, if this is the way you feel, you don't need me in here anymore. After Muse storms out, a board member grabs a phone. I need to speak with Herb Kelleher right away. Uh, oh, he's in Houston? Okay, fine. Patch me through to him. Kelleher here. Herb, we have a real emergency. You better get up here right away. There's a 1 p.m. board meeting, and we need you. The airline needs you to be at the meeting. Uh, John, uh, this is a bit awkward. Uh, didn't you get my resignation? Yes, we did. And we don't accept it. Now, Kelleher's got a pretty good idea what this fuss is all about. But he has no clue how it will unfold. He's only brought one extra suit with him to Houston, and he figures he'll need to keep it pressed if this emergency drags on for a few days. So... He heads to the crew closet in the back of the 737 and quietly hangs up his suit. A Southwest hostess spots him. Sir, you can't hang that here. That's for crew only. Oh, it's okay. I'm, I'm actually the corporate counsel for Southwest Airlines. Oh, sure you are. And I'm the king of Siam. Now, you've got to store that somewhere else, sir. Back at Love Field, a dazed Lamar Muse calls his wife after leaving the board meeting. Honey... You need to come down to the office and pick me up. I can't drive the company car anymore. Board just let me go. When Kelleher arrives in Dallas, the board reconvenes. But before they go any further, there's some business he wants to take care of. Now listen, everyone. Why in God's name would you let Lamar go? He's done a terrific job. Look, let me talk to him. I think we can resolve this somehow. The board reluctantly agrees, but Kelleher can't find Muse. His wife has already picked him up. He's gone. The directors take his departure as a final gesture that he wants out. They unanimously vote to oust Muse. Kelleher abstains. Now, there's the question of succession. Assuming he's about to be offered the helm of the company, an excited king begins to stand up ready to accept the role. As he gets to his feet, one board member doesn't even glance at King. Instead, he turns to Herb Kelleher. Herb, you have to be the chairman and CEO. King sits back down, crestfallen. He knows how warmly the board regards competent and personable Kelleher. Frankly, he just can't bring himself to start another fight. Kelleher? Well, Kelleher is also caught off guard. Wait, uh, me? I've barely worked on internal operations here. A flight attendant today didn't even recognize me. I'm a lawyer. He pauses for a moment and thinks, well, yes, maybe. I could be chairman, but at least for a while, we're going to need to bring in a professional airline executive as CEO. Okay, all in favor of Herb becoming chairman? Aye. Southwest Airlines is now in Herb's hands. At American Airlines, CEO Al Casey is meeting with his top executives, including Bob Crandall, his director of marketing. Casey explains that the company is in a dire situation. 
American Airlines revenues are rising. That's the end of the good news. American has sunk $100 million into its computerized Sabre reservation network and terminal system in the offices of more than 130 top travel agents. It'll take years to recover that investment. An American doesn't have that kind of time. As bleak as it is, that's not even the biggest problem. That would be deregulation. Like the other regulated carriers, American competes by flying routes that other carriers don't. The big carriers just stay out of each other's way. American might, say, fly more direct flights between New York and Los Angeles than United, for instance, or offer a class of service, maybe a lobster dinner on board or a piano lounge in coach class on 747 jets. And it charges premium fares for all this, all permitted under regulation. But deregulation threatens to reduce the distinctions between carriers to one common denominator, price. Whoever can afford to charge the least will win. And that's just the killer scenario that worries Casey. With deregulation, we're going to have to cut fares to compete. And if that wasn't bad enough, well, to be frank, we're out of money and we're in debt. So if we're going to survive, we need to raise money. Yes, the situation is that dire. The board leaves the meeting worried. Casey is desperate to find ways to save money. And then he has an idea. He heads to the airport at Dallas-Fort Worth, or DFW, to meet with an airport official. They shake hands cordially and then retreat to an office, the sound of jets taking off in the distance. Listen, I'm thinking of moving some of Americans' operations from New York to a new office building in DFW. Might save us some money. For sure, Al. When y'all gonna move all of Americans' operations to DFW? (laughs) Casey snaps his briefcase shut and stands to leave. Tell you what, why don't you just make me an offer? Over the next hour, Casey and the official haggle over relocation terms. The cities of Dallas and Fort Worth, as well as the DFW Airport Authority, will issue $147 million worth of bonds to build Americans' new headquarters. They've agreed to lease the facility to the airline tax-free at a rate just high enough to pay off the bonds. Casey does some calculations on the spot. All right, so that, uh, yeah, that'll save us about $200 million over the next 20 years. (laughs) Yeah, this is just the kind of thing I've been looking for. Yes, sir. We've got a deal. In the summer of 1978, the Senate passes the Airline Deregulation Bill. As it makes its way through the House, the news of American Airlines' impending move to DFW leaks to the press, just as Casey is in Dallas touring potential headquarters sites. In Texas, he's hailed as a hero. When he returns to Manhattan, his secretary warns him that a different kind of greeting awaits him. The mayor of New York is called six times. He urgently wants to meet with you. He's very angry about us leaving the city. A day later, New York Mayor Ed Koch and New York City's entire congressional delegation cram into Casey's east side office. Mr. Casey, New York will match DFW's financial incentives. 
we can also offer deeply discounted prime office space in the World Trade Center. Koch leans back in his chair, confident that he will bring Casey around. Mr. Mayor, that's generous, but there's something you can offer us that Texas can. Deregulation is clearly coming. And in a deregulated world, we're going to need this kind of political clout to protect us. Texas has that. And New York doesn't. Consider this. The majority leader of the House has a congressional district that includes DFW Airport. Mr. Casey, then you're telling me you're just going to abandon New York for a few dollars and a few political points? If so, you're also betraying this city. Maybe Koch is purposely missing the point. Doesn't matter. Casey has had enough. He walks to his office door and holds it open. Gentlemen, this meeting is over. American packs its bags. American will fly into the deregulated skies from Dallas. But that puts them right into the flight path of the airline that is best prepared for deregulation, Southwest Airlines. We get support from Ping Identity. You know, we've all had a bad experience as an employee signing on to multiple applications and spending too much time with IT resetting passwords. Yeesh, makes me sweat just thinking about it. Or maybe you've had a bad experience as a customer where a website or an app doesn't remember your information and you have to re-enter your info over and over. Well, these are the kinds of experiences that Ping Identity makes a whole lot better. Ping Identity is identity security for the global enterprise, helping the world's largest organizations to deliver secure, extraordinary digital experiences to their employees and customers around the globe. Enterprise executives tend to be focused on delivering amazing customer experiences or empowering employees to be able to securely work from anywhere, and sometimes both, of course. Well, with Ping Identity, you can make lovable digital experiences that keep your customers secure and coming back for more. Ping also ensures that employees can stay productive and secure no matter where they choose to work, so they can spend less time struggling to get access and more time, you know, getting work done. Ping Identity, championing identity for global enterprise. Head to pingidentity.com to learn more. That's pingidentity.com. Where's my order? Where's my order? Where's my order? Break free from customer support monotony. Welcome to Intercom for Customer Support, the business messenger that uses chatbots, shared inboxes, apps, and more. Intercom's business messenger resolves questions that can be answered automatically, so customer support feels less like Groundhog Day and more like help is on the way. Go to intercom.com support to learn more about Intercom's business messenger for customer support. It's just before midnight on October 19, 1978, in Washington. At this late hour, rowdy bar crawlers are cruising through the streets, music blaring. But traffic slows to a crawl at the inexplicable sight of about two dozen people dressed in business attire, lined up on the sidewalk outside the Civil Aeronautics Board. In five days, President Jimmy Carter is expected to sign the Airline Deregulation Act of 1978 which has passed the Senate and House with bipartisan support. One day later, the CAB, the regulatory body that has governed the airline industry for four decades, will take applications from airlines for new routes they want to serve. 
routes where they'll face open competition on price for the first time. The applications will be taken on a first-come, first-served basis. That's why tonight, almost two dozen airline representatives have essentially camped out on the streets of D.C. They're placeholders. Others dressed just like them will take their place many times in the days before they actually hand the CAB their requested routes. Some try to chit-chat to pass the time. I'm from Braniff. Who you with? American. What routes are you guys trying to get? What routes? I'm not telling you anything. That's a trade secret, pal. When the CAB's doors do finally open, there's a mad, confused gold rush for routes. The airlines claim 1,292 routes, most of which are not currently served by any carrier. Braniff alone claims the right to serve 600 different routes across the country. Deregulation has certainly arrived, but no one is exactly sure what it'll mean. Even Southwest, the so-called darling of deregulation, is cautious about expansion. Southwest's new CEO, Howard Putnam, a former United executive hired at Kelleher's suggestion after Kelleher refused to be both CEO and chairman after Muse's resignation, decides to apply for a single new route. Putnam also shelves Lamar Muse's plan to double the size of the airline by opening a subsidiary flying from Midway Airport in Chicago. Putnam's less concerned about the regulators than he is about overexpansion. His thinking? Just because Southwest can fly anywhere it wants doesn't mean it should. Other airlines are still grabbing up as many routes as they can in January of 1979, but Southwest applies for an additional new route, Dallas to New Orleans. Then something odd happens. Representative Jim Wright, the House Majority Leader, begins hearings aimed at creating a bill banning all interstate service from one airport in the whole country, Southwest's home base of Love Field. It's suspicious on the face of it. Putnam is blindsided. He huddles with Kelleher. Herb, help me understand. The cities of Dallas and Fort Worth who own DFW Airport still want to force us to move to DFW, right? Yeah, DFW is in Jim Wright's district. So he's going to protect DFW interests. And Braniff and American Airlines are headquartered at DFW, so they're going to be beneficiaries. If we, by law, can't fly anywhere in the country out of love, we can't fully compete with flights out of DFW. They can go everywhere. So we're servicing eight cities in Texas, and it's no problem. But if we operate out of love field, somehow that violates the law? This stinks. We're not lying down for this. Herb, let's go beat him in Congress. Kelleher gets on a flight, an American Airlines flight out of DFW, no less, and heads to Washington to have lunch with Oregon Senator Bob Packwood. They go way back. He's a friend and former classmate from NYU Law School. Bob, this is so wrong. You know that the competition has been suing us for nine years to get us out of Love Field, right? We've always won. Now we have to fight to be able to fly out of state from Love Field. Hell, this isn't just anti-competitive, it's legal harassment. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. I'll tell you what, Herb, I'll do everything I can to help you. I didn't vote to deregulate the airlines just so we can start regulating individual airports. 
I can promise you, Herb, I can promise you right now that I'll block every piece of aviation legislation coming out of the House until we get this settled. I'm going to be a thorn in Jim Wright's side. And he is. Sure enough, Wright's bill languishes. As the standoff between the two chambers goes on, Arizona's no-nonsense Senator Barry Goldwater wades in. I think we're acting like a bunch of yo-yos. Why can't people just fly to the airport they want to fly to? What the hell is going on? Eventually, Kelleher himself sits down with Wright and hammers out a compromise. Southwest can fly nonstop from Love Field to cities within Texas and within the four states contiguous to Texas. But before the deal is sealed, Wright asks Herb for a pledge. Herb, once this law is in place, I have to know that you won't sue to undo it. You understand? Congressman, I promise you that Southwest Airlines will remain forever passionately neutral on this issue. I understand that we're politically outgunned on this, and I won't sue. On February 15th, President Carter signs the compromise into law. It's called the Wright Amendment. Southwest has lost some of its edge at Love Field. But just as its competitors start working their advantage at the DFW airport, Southwest deploys a new weapon that's surprisingly powerful against the competition. The once-resigned, then-reconscripted Herb Kelleher as incredibly effective brand spokesman. In the next episode of Southwest vs. American Airlines, Americans Bob Crandall devises a strategy to snuff out rivals. But like some kind of zombie airline that refuses to die, Southwest keeps coming at American and makes it bleed. From Wondery, this is Episode 4 of Southwest vs. American for Business Wars. If you like our show, please give us a five-star rating and a review. Be sure to tell your friends. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, the Wondery app, or wherever you're listening right now. Join Wondery Plus and the Wondery app to listen one week early and ad-free. You'll also find some links and offers from our sponsors in the episode notes. Supporting them helps us keep offering our shows for free. Another way you can support the show is by filling out a small survey at wondery.com survey and tell us which business stories you'd like to hear. A quick note about recreations you've been hearing. In most cases, we can't know exactly what was said. Those scenes are dramatizations, but they're based on historical research. I'm your host, David Brown. Joe Guinto wrote this story. Karen Lowe is our senior producer and editor. Produced by Emily Frost. Kate Young is our associate producer. Our producer is Dave Schilling. Sound designed by Kyle Randall. Our executive producers are Jenny Lauer Beckman and Marshall Louie. Created by Hernan Lopez. For Wondering. Hi, I'm Brooke. And I'm Arisha. And we're the hosts of Even the Rich. So I want you to imagine you're about to go on stage and perform in front of 30,000 cheering fans. You pop a cough drop, take some deep breaths, tell yourself, you can do this. And that's when your brother steps into your dressing room. He tells you the police are here. Either you clean up your act or you'll get arrested. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. But you just laugh and say, good. 
because the you in this story is Madonna. You're going to give the police a moment they'll never forget. Ooh, so what happens next? If you want to find out, you'll have to listen to the newest season of Even the Rich, The Making of Madonna. Follow on Amazon Music, the Wondery app, or wherever you're listening right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app to listen ad-free.